lot of people think about love and they think about the romanticized version of love and they think about why um, they, they think about their favorite rom-com and, you know, that's what they expect love to be. And then we get married and that's not the case. <laughs> um, I don't know anyone whose relationship is really like a romantic comedy. Although I love romantic comedies and I love how they make me feel and they're, you know, all the harm, Hallmark movies and all the things that make us feel, have those feel goods. They're awesome, but they are not real life. And it's important to understand kind of the, the basic understanding and knowledge and even the science behind what love really is. Um, from research from, from John Bowlby, we know that love is the, love is the most basic form of, of love that we need from cradle to grave. We Welcome to this week's podcast. I am excited to uh, talk to you about attachment and why it is so difficult sometimes and why it's so necessary. Um, it really is important to understand kind of the base and understanding of why attachments are so important to each of us, because if we understand that, then we understand why, for me, we understand why sometimes it gets hard and when that attachment is threatened, why we sort of flip into these protective strategies that we all have um, and, and take a look at where we learned them from, whether it be from our caregivers or significant others or wherever we learned how to protect ourselves from why they're really coming up. Just to start off, um, you know, a lot of people think about love and they think about the romanticized version of love and they think about why um, they, they think about their favorite rom-com and, you know, that's what they expect love to be. And then we get married and that's not the case. <laughs> um, I don't know anyone whose relationship is really like a romantic comedy, although I love romantic comedies and I love how they make me feel and they're, you know, all the harm, Hallmark movies and all the things that make us feel, have those feel goods. They're awesome, but they are not real life. And it's important to understand kind of the, the basic understanding and knowledge and even the science behind what love really is. Um, from research from, from John Bowlby, we know that love is the, love is the most basic form of, of love that we need from cradle to grave. We need to feel loved from the time we are born to the time that we die. We need to feel that importance, that that we matter, that we we belong. And when we feel that from even if it's just one person, it creates a haven of strength and safety and effective dependency, right? So a lot of people, there's kind of some hot topic words right now about codependency or being interdependent and, and really it just creates an effective dependency when we know that we are loved and we belong and we can go out and explore the world and sort of have this safe haven and this safe base to come back to, which is really, which is really what we're looking for in life. You know, we want to be able to go out and explore the world and, and be able to have all these awesome experiences, but know that we can come back to this secure, safe haven and this, this secure base. 
And that's really the goal and, and why attachment is so important. Um, we also know, you know, from things like movies like Castaway with Tom Hanks and how isolation really takes a toll on people's mental health. And I could do a whole nother podcast on ways that people isolate themselves and, and maybe I will, but, um, the, the isolation that really comes from, from people, the mental health, the, the research is really diving into this and we're seeing this effects from, from COVID as well. We see the rise in mental health numbers, um, as far as suicide rates, they're up all over the nation, um, really all over the world, but especially all over the nation. When we, when we don't have communities or a strong sense of, of belonging and safe haven, we feel very alone. And when we feel very alone, we start to protect ourselves in certain ways. And, and oftentimes our critics come out, our, our self-critics come out and um, isolation definitely takes a hit on our, takes a toll on our mental health. And our ability to show up for ourselves, for others, to continue to go to work, to have any motivation in life, all of that is affected when we feel more isolated. We just truly are designed for connection. We are hardwired. There's, there's so much about the, the, the physiological effects of what happens to our health when we are isolated and what connection really does to our brains and to our bodies when we feel really connected to another human being. And I'm not saying like you should measure your connection by the number of Facebook friends you have or followers on Instagram that you have. That's not the type of connection that we're talking about. We're talking about really that secure connection in that it doesn't matter what I do. Like you see me and you know me and you know my faults and flaws and you are choosing to love me and show up for me anyways. And, and our parents are our first experience of this or whoever's our caregivers. Um, whether we be adopted or whether we be uh, born to two biological parents, whether we're raised in a, in a blended family and we have five or six parents, um, those, those first people are really who design our attachment and, and where we get our, the importance for our attachment needs. So we are, are able to rely on that secure base, particularly up front from, from the people who brought us into this world. Um, when that is secure and established, we're able to go out into the world and explore our independence. And I like to think of kids like on the, on the playground, you have some kids who are just like running off and exploring the playground and feel totally confident. And then when they fall, they are looking for mom. They look around to see, you know, is mom here? Is mom available? Am I the only one here? And when mom comes, they know and they take comfort in, okay, I can still go and explore and I can learn new things and I can, I can be, I can go down the slides and I can, I can do all these things, but I know mom's going to be there when I fall or, or dad or babysitter or someone's going to be there to, to pick me up, help me feel better. Um, when we look at people who didn't have that, right, they, they are worried that, well, if I let go, then maybe mom will take me or, or uh, someone will come and take me or mom won't be there for me. That begins to, right, that comes from anxiety, that comes from fear, that comes from, um, you know, not knowing and not having that secure base. Now, I'm not saying if you have a kid at home that is a little more, um, scared to go play out on the playground that they are doomed to this world of 
isolation and, and terrible, terrible connection. That's not what I'm saying at all, but it, it does mean that they may need a little bit more reassurance. And you may reassure them in a way that's different than your competent kid who's out, you know, being a monkey on the monkey bars. Um, so just making sure that even in if you are parents listening to this for your children, making sure that you're showing up for them in the ways that they that they need to, to they that they feel safe and secure. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit about kind of reflecting on your own upbringing and who was there for you and, and what it felt like when people weren't there for you and the ways that you sort of learned to protect yourself. But we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. But um, it really is our most basic need is to have this feeling of safe haven, this, this secure base and connection with another human being. And it feels different coming from our parents than it does coming from someone we have chosen to spend a life with and to that's choosing to spend their life with us and, and made that commitment to us. And, and that's really um, can be the most energizing and invigorating thing that people can experience. And it can also be the most challenging when it's not happening, which is why relationships get really difficult. So um, I want to read this quote from Sue Johnson because I think it just, it, amplifies what really what I'm trying to talk about here, but she says to be emotionally connected is to be stronger, more resilient, and more autonomous. And, um, I, I often have a lot of people ask me individuals and couples like, well, what happens when we, we sort of lose ourselves in the relationship and, and a relationship really, I think of, um, like, a like a kite, Right. If we think of a kite and it flies and soars higher, the more stable and secure that base is. Right. And so sometimes, um, you know, you can have a kite that's flying really high because the base at, that's holding it at the bottom is so, so secure. Um, and that really is what connection is about, is really strengthening that bond, soaring higher, being able to explore more, have more confidence, yet having this secure base to come back to. Um, and then we can start all over, right? And so when that becomes shaky, the, the kites also become shaky. Um, we move that base around and the, the kites may catch a different wind or they may fall to the ground. Um, and so creating that secure base really is more of a secure thing than a, than a detriment to individuals. So really, if we look at the quality of that emotional bond, the quality of that attachment, it really shapes how we see ourselves individually, right? If we are flying and soaring, you imagine that beautiful kite in the sky and it's soaring and it's strong and it's confident, right? We see ourselves as being lovable, as being confident, as being able to deal and cope with stress. Um, we kind of see others and we see the world as being trustworthy. And when that is not the case, things start to get a little wobbly, right? And we start to second guess those around us. You know, is this, is this wind all of a sudden going to take a turn? And am I going to start to get wobbly? And we, we, we lose that security and that assurity in ourselves. And we start to question everything. And, and again, that's uh, where mental health can really play a part in this when we don't have secure, when we don't have a secure base with people. So a lot of times when people come in, we really spend the first couple times, the couple sessions, 
talking through their relationship, but also talking individually about them. Um, because it is really important to take a look at people's interactions with their, their primary caregivers, whether, again, whether they be adopted, whether they have um, secure, basically it just helps us um, assess whether or not they have a secure base to kind of go back to and return to and, and learn from. Um, and a lot of people do, and, and a lot of people don't. And so it's, it's learning from them. You know, it, oftentimes people can be um, raised in a very loving home, but have a mother who maybe struggles with depression or a dad who at times when he gets really angry, starts to name call or demean or degrade. And, and if those are the, the case, if that's the case, then oftentimes that person knows that when mom is struggling or when someone else is struggling, when my partner is struggling, I may not be able to rely on them. And then I go into those self-protective strategies of really trying to help myself cope better, not relying on other people. So I might become more controlling. I might become more um, frustrated. I might become more short. I might... Uh, you know, set things up in life so that things work easier for me instead of against me. Or I, I might not rely on my partner so much if they struggle with depression because I learned how to cope with that at, with a mom having depression. So there's all these different ways and different, different um, attachment reasons that people show up or don't show up in a relationship. And it's important to take a look at that. So if you would now for a second, even just kind of consider the people in your lives that had an effect on you, um, that were in your childhood, you know, whether they were your grandparents that lived next door or whether they were a neighbor, a family friend that visited from out of state several times a year. Um, there's lots of different people in our lives and lots of different people who show up for different people. But we want to look at those who are a little more consistent, right? The, the people who really had an influence on you, who were there for you, who really had a relationship that you could turn to for comfort. And in doing so, you know, I, I saw myself as being lovable, competent, able to deal and cope with stress, um, really being able to see that other person as, as trustworthy and caring. And, and they provided comfort for, for you in some in some way. Take a minute to consider that. How did they show up for you? How did they, how were they there for you? Are these ways that my partner shows up for me now? Or maybe I could help get my partner by giving him or her some examples of, or them, I should, shouldn't use pronouns like that, but there you go. You're my partner, um, giving them some examples of, of what it was like for me to feel loved and safe and secure and have that secure bond. If that's something that you struggle with, using those examples in your life can be helpful in those moments. Um, <clears throat> something else that is important to kind of consider is the opposite of that when people weren't there for you at a time where you really needed them to be there for you and they weren't how did they not show up for you? What were they doing? Um, maybe they dismissed you in some way. Maybe they um, spent their time working or uh, you saw them attending to needs of siblings or 
or other people rather than your own. Um, and so in those ways that I really felt like I, when I really needed somebody and they weren't, no one was there for me or I wish that someone was and they weren't, what were they doing to tell you that they, that they weren't there or that they didn't, that you didn't matter. You didn't, you didn't care to them in that moment. Right. Um, when we put this kind of all together, we see these various experiences. No one has a perfect record of every single time they were in need of something, uh, someone being able to show up for them. So it, you're going to have moments of hurt. You're going to have moments where, you know, maybe I wanted something and my parents said no. And then I felt alone or I felt frustrated or I felt angry or I felt like they didn't care or I didn't matter to them. Everyone's going to have some of those experiences. And it's important to look at them and, and look at how did we respond to them. Because the ways you responded back then, yeah, maybe you weren't, you know, the kid, maybe you used to be the kid that was throwing tantrums in the store when mom said no candy and I laid on the floor and kicked my feet. Maybe that was you. In some regard, that is going to still be you today. But what does that tantrum look like? Do I close off? Do I shut down? Do I stop relying on my partner? Do I shut them out? Do I ignore? Do I blame someone else? Do I criticize my partner? Do I walk away? Do I get lost in an addiction? Do I turn to pornography, drugs, alcohol? Do I turn to other relationships? Do I have an affair? Like there's all sorts of ways that people sort of have these tantrums, but they look very different now as an adult. Um, so there's all sorts of ways that you could do that. And in, those are kind of ways of shutting down or turning outside of the relationship. You can also get really loud in the relationship. You can criticize your partner. You can kind of poke. You can sort of chase them around. Um, again, sort of these pursuant ways of, of really trying to let your partner know that, that there's an issue or that there's a problem. Sometimes we become very critical of our partner, very critical of ourselves. We try to control things a little bit more. Um, we become demanding. We become defensive of ourself um, or blame um, is something that I often see. Um, we, we don't take responsibility or accountability for us, for how we're showing up and protecting ourselves. And again, these are great ways that people have learned adaptive strategies that people have learned to try to let people into, hey, I am needing something. I'm here for you. You think about a baby when it comes first comes home from the hospital, it has lots of really great ways of telling mom and dad that, hey, I need something, right? They're often getting really angry um, or, or really frustrated and, and they end up crying, right? And so you know when a baby is fussy, you know when they're needing something. Obviously, a baby's needs are a lot more basic than uh, maybe us as adults, but it's really not all that different. Um, you know, we learn language, we learn how to think, we learn how to, as we grow and adapt and develop, things just get a little bit more complicated. And sometimes we overcomplicate them as humans and, and as an adult. And so if we just learn to try to uncomplicate things, try to be really clear on when my needs aren't being met in the relationship, when my attachment isn't feeling super secure, what is it that I need and how do I ask my partner for that? rather than criticizing, rather than demanding, rather than saying, hey, we need a date night and you, we will go on a date night or 
we don't have sex enough. Instead of demanding, instead of putting those pressures, can we be more explicit in what it is that we really, we really need? I need to know that I'm important to you. I need to know that I matter to you. I need to see you show up for me. The more we can do that with our partner and the more clarity we can show up with, the more they're going to get it right. The more that we're setting our relationship up for success. And that is really what this whole podcast is, is we're going to go over a whole bunch of ways that you can show up for your partner and that you can gain clarity in your relationship, both in how do I ask for it, help you be more reflective in, in where did I learn these coping strategies? Where did I learn these techniques? And how do I do a difference? Because it's not working for us right now. You know, and being reflect, self-reflective is a very, very key part to bettering your relationship. You know, what am I doing or not doing in my relationship that is affecting my relationship, whether that's for the good or the not so good. Um, I often talk about relationships, romantic relationships or, or committed relationships, sometimes a little bit feeling like a business, right? These are the ways that I need you to show up for me. These are the ways that um, maybe need some improvement. And being able to give that feedback in a free, easy way, rather than taking it to self-destruct mode of, oh, well, you're giving me criticism. I'm not showing up perfectly for you. I failed for you. And then diving into shame. All of that we are going to talk about and cover and, and go over because it happens all too often and way too frequently in relationships. Um, if you have a minute and in, in over the next couple of days or weeks, I want you to spend some time actually thinking about, you know, why I do the things I do when my partner, when, when did things get the trickiest in our relationship and when they get the trickiest, how do I respond? Do I sort of shut down? Do I not want to talk about it with my partner? Do I feel like we've got to talk about it until 3 a.m. until we've gone over it 20 million times? How do I, how do we show up for each other or how do I try to signal to my partner that things aren't secure for me right now. Um, spend some time thinking about that because the more, again, the more clarity you can get on that, the better your relationship will be because you will be able to ask for the thing that you actually need instead of your partner sort of seeing you tantrum, right? Um, so I want you to, to think about that. And I also want you to think about just kind of the people, the ways that your parents showed up for you the way that um, your caregivers, you know, maybe it's a teacher, someone who responded to you when you were alone on a school bench one day and needed a friend. What ways did they respond to you? How did they show up for you and make you feel seen and heard and, and important to them? And jot them down somewhere, think about them, and, and then maybe ask for them for your partner. Talk about them um, in a way that can be helpful because those secure bonds are really what we're looking for and looking to create better in our relationship. And I so know that this is possible for, for everyone to have safe, secure connection and attachment to people because it really is, it's everything. And I hope that um, today has got you thinking and, and helping you be a little more self-reflective and uh, allows for you to be able to just start this, this journey and process of, of bettering yourself and your relationship. Until next time.